Welcome to Dark Corners. I'm so glad you've come back to listen to the fifth episode of Eddie Bowen's frightening adventures with the Wraiths of the Appalachian. It's called Phantoms from the Outer Region. Perhaps some of you may not have realized that this is part of a continuing story. If that's the case, you may want to back out of this episode and scroll back to find episode one. Or not, it's totally up to you. But if you stay, the rest of us are going to make fun of you, like the illegitimate offspring at a Southern family reunion. Just saying. So either way, let's begin. Chapter 5. Phantoms from the Outer Region Bad Kitty Bad Kitty! Eddie rinsed the shaving cream from his razor and looked away from the mirror to the small boy who still pointed at him as he stood beside his father. Uh, he means your scratches, the man explained sheepishly. He got scratched by our cat, so he thinks a cat got you too. Taking his son's hand to lead him away, he said, Let's leave this man alone, okay, Frankie? It's not polite to point at people. No, it's cool, Eddie said. He turned his back toward the mirror as he tried to see the three red marks that stretched across his back. I, uh, scraped it while I was hiking yesterday. He retrieved his shirt from the hook on the wall of the small cubicle outside his shower. Who'd have thought laurel branches could tear you up like that? The man nodded. That's your van out front? Yep. Sweet, the man answered. My best friend restored a 66. It was my father's back in the day, definitely one of the original hippie wagons. Well, you deserve credit for keeping it up. Eddie grinned and thanks. Well, nice meeting you. Stay clear of those laurel bushes. He continued to hold his son's hand as they neared the exit of the public shower facility. Yeah, will do. Eddie paused as he considered whether to address the thought that popped into his mind. Hey, did my dog bark at you? The man stopped and turned. Dog? Uh, no, didn't see a dog. Ah, cool. Good to hear. The man gave a little smile and left with his son still in tow. When Eddie got back to the van, he saw that Snarly Yow was sitting in the passenger seat watching for Eddie's return. He viewed the dog with narrowed eyes as he stowed the carry-all in the back. Once he was back in the driver's seat, he spoke as he cranked the engine. See anything unusual, my man? Snarly continued to pant contentedly as he watched Eddie put the van in gear and pull onto the campground road. Once they were moving steadily, the wolfhound moved to the floorboard where he could stretch out comfortably. Well, nothing like a shave and a shower to start the new day, but since only one of us has had breakfast, I'd like to make a stop pretty soon. He flipped the knob on the dash which greeted them with static. It would be nice to know where we're heading today. Mr. D's voice cut through almost immediately. Good morning, Eddie. How was your night? Whoa, that was quick. Well, good morning to you too. Well, in answer to your question, it was interesting. But I kind of think you knew that already. The radio emitted only static. I'll take that as a yes, Eddie said. Care to offer a bit of explanation about who those people were I met? More static. Guess that's a no. Well, how about offering a hint about what's next? Retrace the route that brought you here, Mr. D answered. Really? That seems boring. 
I suppose that's up to you, Eddie. Well, you got a point, I guess, but what's our destination? You'll see. Right, Eddie said with mild irritation. Okay, we'll play it your way, since I have no real choice in this. The choice is always yours, Eddie. This time, Eddie was silent. He fiddled with the knob on the radio until he found some music he could tolerate, and they traveled that way until Eddie found a fast food drive through where he could get coffee and an egg biscuit with some extra sausage for Snarly Yow. Once they were back out on the road, Eddie traveled with the radio turned off, still a bit miffed at Mr. D's reluctance to offer more information. When they approached a sign indicating I-40, Eddie switched the radio back on. Which way, Mr. D? East. Eddie shook his head at the one-word response. We heading back home, then? Is this trip over? Are you ready to go home, Eddie? Eddie shook his head again. Doesn't feel like it. Take the Marion exit past Asheville and look for signs for Highway 221. When you see that, head north. We'll be camping again, I assume? Yes, although this time it will be free. No campground? Dispersed camping, they call it. But this site is in the Piscon National Forest. Doesn't sound like there'll be showers there. Correct. Swell. You have a shower at home. Yeah, I know. Point taken. Eddie followed Mr. D's directions that led him ultimately, after a pit stop and lunch, to Old North Carolina Highway 105, a hard-packed gravel road also marked as Kistler Memorial Road. Eddie slowed down even more as he approached a well-constructed log cabin with a sign denoting it as an information station. I guess I'll need to check in here, he said as he prepared to turn into the small parking lot. No need, said Mr. D. It's closed, but the camping is free. That sign on the door says just to leave the campsite as you found it. Well, all right then, you say so. Soon they passed a number of pull-offs rough dirt pathways that led to several primitive campsites, each of which was tucked well into the thick forest affording every site a good amount of privacy. Any one of these in particular? Eddie asked. A bit further, Mr. D said. When they had passed almost a dozen sites, Mr. D spoke up. Here, this is the last one. Eddie turned the van onto the rough lead-in rocking the van as he drove over small trenches created by runoffs from multiple spring downpours before getting to the area where a ring of stones marked his sight. Snarly Owl had been looking out the side window behind the front passenger seat with interest. Okay, looks like we've arrived. Any special words of advice, Mr. D? Follow your instincts and your heart. Right, Eddie said as he cut the engine off seeing as that's worked so freaking well thus far. Eddie exited the van and then opened the side door for Snarly Yow to get out. Snarly immediately explored the area with his nose to the ground, urinating on various bushes along the perimeter as he went, while Eddie pulled out the tent and the rest of the gear. Within a few minutes, Eddie stood surveying the site. He was pleased, in spite of the lack of amenities like restrooms and running water, that this time he had easy access to everything in the van. As he was unfolding an aluminum chair to place by the fire ring, a voice rang out from the main drive. Hi there. Eddie turned to see an older man with a walking stick, his hand raised in greeting. Hello, Eddie answered. Can I help you? 
Just wanted to say hello, the man answered. Permission to come aboard? Eddie grinned at the nautical request and nodded. Permission granted. As Eddie watched his visitor approach, he saw that in spite of being perhaps in his 70s, the man walked briskly and confidently, the walking stick seemingly useless. The man's long gray hair was pulled back in a ponytail, and Eddie thought that if he had arranged it into two braids, he could have easily passed for Willie Nelson. I got another chair in the van, Eddie offered as the man drew closer. The old fellow waved his hand dismissively. No need. I've got to be leaving shortly, just like to meet the other folks who come up here. Looks like we're the only ones today. Yeah, I didn't notice any other vehicles all along the way, Eddie said. Not even yours. The man grinned. Come up here often? First time, Eddie said. Sounds like you're a repeat customer. I love this view of the gorge. Today is especially spectacular. Glad I decided to stay the extra night. Eddie nodded, not wanting to display his ignorance that there even was a gorge to view. Well, cool. I just got here, but I'll be sure to get up there. Just uh, head on up the road, I guess. Right. It's probably about half a mile to the overlook. There's some other nice spots to view the gorge from, too, if you're careful. You'll see a couple of flat areas with rocks that soak up the sun. Nice, warm place to rest and take in the beauty. But you need to be careful, you said. Remembering his own experience from the previous night, Eddie was curious about what dangers the man might be warning him of. A wrong step off the path and you could take a deadly tumble. There's some serious drop-offs along those trails, so I wouldn't recommend them after dark. Eddie nodded again and the man added, You here just for the daytime view, or you hoping to see the lights? The lights? The brown mountain lights. You haven't heard of them? Oh yeah, those, Eddie said. He'd read about the mysterious lights in a book of North Carolina ghost stories, but he had no idea he'd arrived anywhere near Brown Mountain. Have you seen them? Oh, Lord, yes, lots of times. My wife and I used to come up to see the lights every year. Now, what are they, do you think? No one knows for sure. People used to say they were just headlights from trains or cars, but they've been reported long before there were ever train tracks here. Once you see them, you know they're not from cars, either. Headlights don't float in the air like that. Seems like I recall that scientists think it might come from some sort of gases that seep out from the rocks here, Eddie said. The old man smiled. Yeah, they do say that. But you're not buying that, right? The man continued to smile. Looks like it'll be a clear night. You might be able to form your own opinion. Great, Eddie said with a tight grin. As long as they're not ghosts, I guess I'll be fine. Not all ghosts are bad, the visitor said. He continued to look at Eddie in a way that, in spite of his smile, made Eddie look away. Yeah, right. Well, I suppose I should be on my way, the old man said. Time for me to be getting back. He started to make his way back to the road. You're not staying the night, then? No, you'll have this whole place to yourself tonight. He stopped and turned to look at Eddie, in a manner of speaking. A chill ran up Eddie's spine. 
The fellow raised his hand and touched two fingers to the brim of an invisible hat in farewell and resumed his walk. He seems like a nice enough old guy, Eddie thought. A little odd, but nice. Never once did he even look at Snarly. And with the thought of the wolfhound, Eddie turned to look at him, but was startled to find that the dog was nowhere in sight. Oh, where the hell did he go? He was just here, right beside me. Snarly, where are you, boy? Eddie turned in a circle, searching the immediate area around the campsite, but the dog was not there. He looked inside the van, even though all the doors were closed, and turned back to the campsite in frustration. The thought that Snarly might have somehow made his way unnoticed to the road and might be following the old man sent panic throughout Eddie's body like a shot of hard liquor. Eddie jogged a short distance to the road and looked both ways, but he saw neither the dog nor the visitor. How in the hell could the old man be out of sight that quickly? Exasperated, Eddie stood in the road with one hand on his hip and the other rubbing his jaw. With the thought that the dog wasn't likely to appear on the road, Eddie turned back to the campsite. He'd not taken more than a dozen steps when he saw the wolf dog sitting by the campfire ring of stones. Well, there you are. Where'd you go? And how'd you get back here so fast? Snarly just looked back at Eddie, panting with his tongue hanging out. Eddie squatted beside him and rubbed the dog's ears with both hands. That's the damnedest thing. Ready to put the incident behind him, Eddie filled Snarly's water bowl and opened another bottle of water for himself. What do you say we check out this view we've heard so much about? This view I've heard so much about, at least, he thought. Just as the old man had said, it was only a short hike to an overlook with a stone wall that jutted out over a precipice, allowing a wide view of the Linville Gorge. A river snaked its way between the ridges far below them, and across the gorge, one section of the mountain ridge looked like a sloping tabletop. Well, the old man wasn't lying, Eddie said. This is one incredible sight. The expansive view of tree-covered mountains looked like a giant had thrown a plush green carpet over a lumpy surface. Eddie wondered what it must look like when the leaves turned fiery orange, red, and yellow in the fall. A strong, steady breeze blew Eddie's hair from his forehead as he leaned against the stone parapet, and Snarly Owl stood with his front paws resting on the ledge beside him. The wind chilled Eddie enough that it rose goosebumps on his arms. For a moment, Eddie thought he could detect voices in the wind, much like the singing he'd heard the night before. But then, just as quickly, the sound ceased and he dismissed it as just his imagination. When he looked over the wall below where he stood, he saw what appeared to be a trail. It was so overgrown it was barely visible, but Eddie traced its path and saw a clearing to his right, an expanse of flat rock surrounded by thick vegetation. The thought of stretching out on the warm stone was irresistible. I bet that's one of those spots the old man was talking about. Come on, Snarly, let's check it out. Eddie easily found a path near the entrance to the overlook, and soon he and Snarly had disappeared into the thick foliage. The path rose and fell, and at several points, Eddie noted where a misstep could mean a fall of 30 or 40 feet through sharp branches and jutting rock. Watch your step, buddy, he said more to himself than to the sure-footed wolf dog. A sudden rustling in the bushes near them made Eddie freeze. A low growl rumbled deep in Snarly's throat, but then all was quiet again. I suppose it's likely there are deer up here, he said. He pushed away the thought that black bears were also native to the area as quickly as it popped into his mind. We're just going to live and let live in regard to the local fauna, right, fella? When he heard nothing else, 
he resumed walking. When the trail seemed only to descend, and not to rise again toward the rock clearing as he'd assumed, Eddie got a bit nervous. Just as he was considering turning around to head back to the overlook, they rounded a curve in the path and he saw something blocking the way before him. The creature was like no animal Eddie had ever seen before. It stood still on two legs like a human child, looking back at him with its head cocked slightly to the side. It was bald with large eyes and only the slightest suggestion of a nose and mouth. Its pale, naked body was totally hairless, with no indication of gender. What made the fresh scars on Eddie's back tingle and sting was his observation that the creature had only three fingers and three toes, each resembling sharp, hooked claws, and the disturbing image of the baby from his vision jumped into his mind. Snarly Yow had been walking behind Eddie, stopping at several spots to sniff curious scents, but when he came up beside Eddie and saw what had caused his human companion to stop on the path, he shot forward without a sound. The goblin-like creature turned and ran down the trail a few steps, sometimes on all fours, before launching himself onto the trunk of a large oak that leaned away from the trail. It climbed up into the higher limbs where it traveled from tree to tree as nimbly as a squirrel. Snarly followed its progress along the trail with Eddie running behind him until they came to a large rock formation with an overhang about 20 feet above their heads. It appeared to be the entrance of a large cave, but a huge boulder blocked it, almost as if it had been placed there. The creature jumped from a tree near the path onto the boulder and scrambled into a small, dark gap near the top. Snarly stopped at the base of the rock and paced back and forth frantically as he huffed and looked up at the hole where the freakish thing had disappeared. Eddie joined Snarly and studied the blocked cave entrance in vain for a sign of any other possible way to enter the cave. The thought that there might be more than one of the creatures made Eddie uneasy. Come on, boy, let's head back. I'd just as soon not run across any of that thing's friends or family. He turned and started back up the trail even though Snarly stood as still as a statue, eyes glued on the hole at the top of the boulder. When Eddie did not stop or even slow down, the wolf dog reluctantly turned away from the cave and followed Eddie back to the overlook. Once there, Eddie paused for a brief look at the brilliant range of colors on the horizon. Red, purple, and orange streaks stretched across the sky like thin fabrics from a gypsy caravan. Pricked by a niggling worry, he allowed himself only a moment to take in the glorious sunset and made his way down the gravel road toward his campsite. When his tent and van appeared through the foliage looking just as he had left them, whole and undamaged, Eddie breathed a sigh of relief. The fear that other creatures like the one they had seen on the trail might have trashed his campsite, like what happened at Fort Mountain, had bothered him all the way back. As daylight quickly faded, Eddie made a fire on which he warmed the small pre-cooked rotisserie chicken and green beans he'd bought at a supermarket earlier in the day. Snarly Yow eyed the chicken bones and licked his lips as Eddie placed them in a bag for disposal the next day. I heard chicken bones are bad for dogs, he said, hoping his tone conveyed his regret. Snarly continued to look at him with eyes that seemed reproachful, if not outright accusing. Eddie sighed and pulled the bones from the bag. I hope you know what you're doing, but I guess it's no worse than rabbit bones. Snarly's rapid and enthusiastic response indicated full agreement. When Eddie had cleaned up and cleared away the remains of their supper, 
He retrieved the guitar from the van and settled himself in the folding chair by the fire. The notes came easily and hung in the night air like the embers that popped and floated from the burning branches. But in a surprisingly short time, Eddie stopped, set his guitar in the case that lay open beside him, and looked at his fingertips. Gotta build up those calluses again, I guess, he said to the wolf dog, who had settled himself near Eddie. Snarly had not slept or even closed his eyes, but had watched Eddie's fingers intently as they glided up and down the fretboard and picked the strings. Eddie rose and took the guitar back to the van and locked it. When his cell phone buzzed in his pocket, Eddie frowned when he saw the text message. Everything still okay? Eddie leaned against the van as he stared at the phone for a full minute before typing a response. Yeah, it's all good. Still trying to sort stuff out. Too much to try and put into words at the moment. Definitely will have stories to tell. He paused again and looked into the dark woods beyond the road. Exhaling a full breath, he typed again. Love you. He slid his phone back in his pocket as he returned to the campfire. Eddie took the branch he had used as a poker to spread what was still burning so that there were no flames. Might be interesting to check out those lights on Brown Mountain, huh boy? I think these embers will be okay if we leave it just for a while. Hate to pour water on it since I'd like to build it back up again in a bit. Snarly wagged his tail, which Eddie took as a scent. Eddie grabbed his flashlight and the two walked up to the main road. The thought that the goblins might be watching him was a bit unnerving, especially in the dark, but Eddie found great comfort with the presence of the wolf dog. The stars shone in the night sky brighter than Eddie had ever remembered. Even when he had camped with his father, they hadn't been as bright. Found to be much less light pollution out here, Eddie thought. Within minutes, they'd arrived at the overlook again. Although the wind wasn't as strong as it had been that afternoon, a constant breeze made Eddie glad that he had donned his denim jacket. The half-moon provided enough light to cast shadows from the trees nearby and to bathe the vast landscape of the gorge in a gentle blue light. Snarly sniffed at the weeds growing around the entrance to the overlook as Eddie gazed out at the view. A faint glow attracted Eddie's attention from the sloping ridge to his right. A soft ball of pale light rose up above the tree line and then floated down toward the bottom of the ravine, following the ridge line before fading away. That's amazing. That's gotta be what people are talking about. Eddie stepped over closer to the wall and searched the area where the light had originated. Within seconds, he was rewarded with the sight of a second orb, not far from where the first one had appeared, but further up the ridge. This one glowed with more of a yellow tinge, and it lasted a bit longer. Before it faded out, another ball had appeared on the same ridge, but further to the south. Two more appeared simultaneously, and then to Eddie's utter amazement, he saw that there were lights on virtually every ridge in view. It was as if someone had thrown a master switch, turning on the twinkling lights for a huge Christmas display, but on a much bigger scale. The only time Eddie had ever witnessed anything like it was when he had seen thousands of fireflies rising from the open fields on a mountainside one summer night when he was a boy vacationing with his parents in the Smokies. The story from his childhood he remembered reading of the Brown Mountain Lights suggested that people saw only a few at a time 
not the myriad that now covered the mountainside. Some of the lights, however, moved oddly. The ones in the distance could have been the decorative lights in a neighborhood, and Eddie might have thought that's all they were had he not remembered that the region was not populated that densely. That, and that it was late summer, not a time for holiday lighting. But the lights that were closer were different. Eddie could tell they possessed varying degrees and shades of color. Some were reddish, others bluer. Some glowed faintly, barely visible, while others burned brightly with a piercing white glare. But all of them were moving. A familiar huff made Eddie turn his head back toward the path that led out to the overlook. Snarly Owl was at the head of the path they had taken earlier in hopes of finding the rock clearing. Eddie followed the dog's gaze and saw a pale blue glow in the trees very close to them. He walked to where Snarly stood and saw that there were multiple glowing lights scattered about the woods on either side of the path and that they seemed to be moving toward Eddie and the wolfhound. As Eddie looked at the closest orb, he saw that there was a human shape within it, a woman with long dark hair. The light did not have a clearly defined edge. It wasn't a perfectly circular ball of light, but rather a large oval that contained the entire shape of this adult figure. It seemed to Eddie that the light might have even emanated from the woman within it, extending perhaps a foot or so beyond the confines of her body. But she seemed to be a part of the light too, nearly transparent, which made it difficult to determine details about her clothing. But they looked as if they came from another time. Eddie could make out her features well enough to tell that she was pretty and that she seemed terribly sad. The other lights contained human shapes too, of different ages and races, and they all looked at Eddie. At times, they flared brighter, and Eddie could tell that the clothing some wore was outdated from another era, like the sad woman he had seen first. But others looked as if they possibly could have been tourists who visited the site earlier that day. Just like the other lights he had first noticed, these orbs shone as different colors as well. Each of the lights glowed only for a few moments. They winked out, just as fireflies do, but for each one that disappeared, another took its place. Eddie felt drawn to them, and against his better judgment, he stepped off the main road and onto the path that he and Snarly had taken that afternoon. The lights floated around him like motes of dust and sunlight. When Eddie shined his flashlight on them, they were harder to see, but they didn't disappear altogether. It appeared from their expressions that the light might even be painful for them. Snarly Owl stayed close to Eddie's side, but did not act as if the beings of light were a threat, but rather more of a curiosity. Well, I don't like the light much, Eddie thought. That seems obvious. But are they really even aware of me? As he walked down the path, keeping the beam of his flashlight on the ground before him, the orbs moved slowly to the sides, as if he were walking underwater and that his motion pushed them gently out of his way like so many jellyfish in a still pool. Eddie could tell that the figures in the lights were watching him. Some, like the first woman on the path, seemed sad. Others, merely curious. But those in the lights that glowed pink seemed angry, occasionally even mouthing what might have been curses at Eddie as he passed. 
Snarly growled quietly at those, and Eddie, feeling a sense of hostility that was directed at him, decided to retreat back to the main road. When Eddie turned to go back, he noticed that the newer orbs were mostly red, while the faces in the pale blue and yellow ones, which were fewer in number and more sparsely scattered, showed expressions of fear. As Eddie quickened his pace, he saw that the forms inside the darker red auras looked less human. Their features were sharp and twisted. Some had spikes, horns perhaps, protruding from their foreheads and jaws. He could make out the faint sounds of growling and murmuring, although that noise too sounded like it came from underwater. While none of them seemed able to make physical contact with Eddie or Snarly Owl, Eddie broke into a jog to leave the woods as soon as he could. Eddie slowed his pace to a fast walk once he reached the gravel road, but he kept a close watch on the woods. Snarly Owl kept close by Eddie's side, not pausing as he often did to investigate interesting scents on their trail. Eddie did see glowing patches of light on either side of the road, most of them a good distance into the woods, but there were not nearly as many as he had seen near the overlook. The closer he got to his campsite, the fewer lights he saw. Ah, almost home, fella, Eddie said as he saw the dirt trail that led to his site. And it looks like it's basically free of ghosts, or whatever those lights are. Eddie let out a big breath as they arrived at the van with no glowing lights within sight. Well, home sweet home, right, Snarls? But I don't think I'm exactly ready to turn in for the night yet, are you? Eddie picked up some more branches from the pile of fuel he had gathered earlier for the fire. I'd like to see if things, well, settle down a bit first. Eddie raked the remaining coals together and laid dry twigs on them which caught quickly. Once he had placed several thicker pieces of branches on the fire, he opened a bottle of water and filled Snarly's water bowl. As Eddie watched the wolfhound drink, he took comfort in the fact that Snarly did not seem particularly alarmed in spite of the eerie phenomena they had both witnessed. At least these things don't seem like they're necessarily dangerous, he thought. Eddie unlocked the van and pulled a beer from the ice chest. He stared at the guitar case for a moment and then grabbed it and took it to the folding chair by the fire. He took a long swig from the bottle and then settled himself with the guitar and struck a few random chords as he thought of what to play. After a moment, he settled on a song he remembered his father often played for his mother, Castles Made of Sand, one of Jimi Hendrix's softer tunes. He paused when he finished, marveling at the sense of calmness that the music had brought him. Yeah, much better, he said when he'd finished, smiling at the wolf dog who lay beside him with his head on his paws. What is it they say, Snarly? Music has charms that soothe the savage beast. That's breast. Eddie's heart raced at the sound of the muffled voice which came out of the darkness. What the hell? Who's there? He said as he stood, his eyes wide, searching the woods around him in vain. Snarly Owl was also on his feet, his ears standing up and his body tense. Music has charms that soothe the savage breast, is the actual quote. The voice was muffled as if it were coming from a long distance or from within a closed area. Where are you? Step out here into the light where I can see you. It's better if I stay where I am, the voice answered. 
Although the voice sounded calm, kind even, a chill ran through Eddie's body, much greater than he had felt when he first saw the glowing orbs at the Overlook. But it sounded much fainter than it had when Eddie first heard it. A faint blue light began to glow in the woods on the opposite side of the campfire from where the van was parked. A form slowly took shape within the glow, a form that became more recognizable as Eddie watched. The mist within the light grew more solid until Eddie saw the transparent image of a handsome black man dressed in a long-sleeved silk shirt that hung loosely on his slender frame, tight black pants with a long red scarf tied around his waist, and a broad-brimmed, low-crowned black hat. Dad? Eddie whispered. I'm here, the spirit said, but his voice sounded much farther away than the light. As quickly as the image had appeared, it started to fade. As the pale blue light grew fainter, the figure in the light tried more desperately to be heard, but Eddie couldn't make out the words. In seconds, nothing remained but darkness, the chirping of crickets, and the crackling of the fire. That concludes this episode of Wraiths from the Appalachian, and it wasn't so bad now, was it? I mean, sure, there were a couple of demon-like beings in those light bubbles, but they were still bubbles, right? How dangerous could they be? Never saw a headline saying, man killed by colorful bubble, but you never know. Speaking of colorful bubbles, you won't find any on mombyulman.bandcamp.com, but you will find a ton of spooky albums filled with dark ambient music, one of which was the inspiration for this very podcast. I'll just let you figure out which one. Here's a hint. It's Wraiths of the Appalachian, you morons. Just kidding. You know I love you all. But for more helpful hints, you can join me on the Dark Corners Facebook group, or if you're one of those who, quote, don't do Facebook, unquote, you can find all kinds of good stuff on my official website at davidallenvoyles.com. That's it. See you next time in the Dark Corners. <laughs> <laughs>